Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right, so like I told you guys earlier, my name is Larry. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we are continuing in um, the Gospel of Luke. It's uh, one of the Gospels in the New Testament, and um, we have been going through this for quite some time now. And um, we uh, have been taking it chapter by chapter here on Sunday mornings. Um, we've been taking our time with it. We've not been really in any rush, but we haven't necessarily gone through it verse by verse. So um, we, we do have an opportunity for you guys to do that. Um, we have our um, devotional guides and uh, some devotionals each week. That's a prayer and a reflection journal. We have those out in the lobby on your way out if you want to go through this with us. Um, but on Sunday mornings, we're just going to tackle just little bits and pieces of it because there's so much good stuff in there. And so today we're in chapter 17 of Luke. Um, if you guys want to open there, and I'm going to kind of hang out in chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. 11 through 19 is where I'm going to hang out. I'm going to read that. So if you guys have your Bibles, you guys can get there. Um, I'm going to read the whole passage to you in just a second. We're getting close. Chapters, there's only 24 chapters in Luke, so we're almost there. It's getting good. And things are starting to heat up. All right, so uh, I'm going to read this to you guys. It's, again, Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Jesus heals 10 men with leprosy. It says, verse 11, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus, that's who was on his way to Jerusalem, traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So we're going to hang out. There's a lot of really good things in this passage right here. And that's kind of where we're going to hang out today. And the big question of the day that I want to, to, you guys to focus on and that kind of really just sets this all up is, when was a time in your life that you were in desperate need, that you were in a desperate need of something, and you got relief, and what kind of response did that trigger? So when was the time that you were just in desperate need, and you received relief, and what kind of response did that trigger? I've, uh, I've had five back surgeries, too many, and I'm only 31 years old. <laughs> five back surgeries. It's been some of the toughest, worst moments of my entire life. Um, I can tell you stories about that later. We'll cry together. Um, but uh, this last one, I didn't know uh, I really needed it until, until much later. And what happened was, is uh, out of nowhere, um, I just felt like I pulled my hamstring real bad. And I was like, man, my hamstring is killing me, right up from the top of your hamstring right to the top of my calf. And it, like, got bad, like, over time. I mean, in months on it, I was, like, dying. I was limping around. I was fidgety. I couldn't sleep. It was extremely painful. I was in desperate need to have relief from this pain. It was really, in a way, taking over everything for me. I mean, it was messing with my head. I'm tired. 
I'm constantly in pain. And my wife, she's an athletic trainer, uh, and she teaches sports medicine. So I'm always, like, telling her, like, why don't you athletic train my leg or something? Like, <laughs> what's going on with this thing? And, uh, I say that to her about everything with, with me, and she's always like, you don't listen. So she doesn't talk about that. She just, she, you, know, you know how that goes. And I go, hmm, yeah. <clears throat> so... Uh, finally, I mean, like, I couldn't do anything. I mean, like, I would go golfing with some friends, and I'd do, like, a one, like, weird hop, like, ugh. And, like, everything I did, bending over, picking on my kids, was getting tough. I was like, ah, oh, my back never hurt. My leg just killed me. I mean, I was, de- I was in so much pain. No joke. And uh, finally, I went to the doctor, and he was a friend of mine. And like men usually do, we were, like, crawling to the doctor on our deathbed. Like, help me, it's way too late. Women go in much earlier. They're like, I got a cough. I'm going to go to the doctor real quick and take care of this. Men, we're like about to die. We're at the last second bleed out. We're like, okay, dude, do something. Because it's just, I don't know. It's not smart. It's just a dude thing. So anyways, I'm in there and I'm like sweating from pain. Like if you've ever sweat from pain, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was for reals. He's like, man, I don't know what's going on. Like, maybe you pulled a bone off with a muscle or something. Maybe you really pulled it. And I'm like, oh, this is just nuts. So he's like, let's get an MRI. And he calls me that evening. He's like, you need to come down. He's like my buddy. I'm like, just tell me what's going on. You can just text it to me. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? (laughs) So so I go over, and he's like, you need to go to this other doctor. He's like, you've completely blown, like, everything out of your disc into your spinal canal. And he's like, that's it. And I'm like, my back doesn't even hurt. And he's like... So then I got this question, are you going to the bathroom okay? And I'm like, why are you asking me that? <laughs> He's like, because it's like right at a place and it's so bad, it's right in your nerve that you could lose function of going to the bathroom when you'd like to go. So I was in desperate need <laughs> for help. This was not good. He was telling me maybe my, I was going to have drop foot is what it's called. I was going to kind of not be able to walk that well. And so I'm like, what's going on? I'm trying to wrap my head around this. And I mean, I'm like already hurting. So I go to the doctor and they're like, hey, tomorrow we're going to have surgery. And I'm like, Whoa. Like, calm down. I just showed up. So I was freaking out. It was a big deal. It was back surgery. So uh, anyways, I did it. Needed to do it. And um, I remember uh, right before I had the surgery, I was like crazy squirmy because you couldn't have, I couldn't have any pain medicine, which didn't even really help. It just made me not care. And, uh, you know, you'd only have like a little bit of water. And I'm like, you know, on the bed, like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm ready for the thing. Like, oh, help me out. And I had this... Uh, I go in, and I remember waking up, uh, and I was, like, barely waking up, like, barely, I don't even think my eyes were open, but just kind of coming out of the anesthesia, and I remember them saying, like, Larry, push, push your feet down and pull them up. They were doing all this stuff with my feet and, like, rubbing and tickling my toes and stuff, and, and uh, they, like, walked away, and I had, like, this, like, really special moment where all of a sudden just clicked in my head, and I was like, it doesn't hurt. It was, like, relief. And I'm telling you, that, that, that moment specifically has triggered a response over and over again every day as I get up and I do this. I'm stiff. I'm just thankful that I received relief from that. I mean, that was a moment of severe pain, you know, afterwards and stuff you go through. But I am so grateful and thankful for that. Um, you know, that's a kind of a lighthearted one. I, I also, my, uh, my, my grandmother, my grandma, she was like my staple. She was, if I saw Jesus in a person, I would look and I would say, she is like a Jesus follower, and she's everything I should and want to be. And she just was not feeling good, like not herself. And she's like, gosh, I don't feel good. And so finally she like forced the hospital to admit her for like a UTI. 
And the next morning they walked in and they told her she has cancer all over her entire body. And so she was in desperate need. And, uh, you know, they were like, you have moments, maybe a couple weeks, and there was, you know, not really much they can do. It's kind of everywhere, which explained why she didn't feel well. And uh, so we got her back home, and I, you know, was trying to spend as much time as I could with her, and fortunately she was close. And I remember I was hanging out with her one day, and we were just talking, and she, like, looked at me, and, and she was just in desperate She told me that she was scared a little bit of leaving everybody and of pain and of death and and I like sat there for a second going, you know exactly where you're going. Like, you're going to heaven. You know that. Like, you are like the epitome of a follower of Christ. You know that. But yet she was in desperate need, and I got to see that. And she needed that comfort and that time. And I told her, because I really believe it in my heart, that, um, Grams, I believe that when it's like time, that you're going to have a peace that no one else will know about, that will just come over you, and there will be a comfort that's only from God. That's only from Jesus. And a day later when, you know, all the other family was there, we were hanging out and she didn't have much time left. She was stuck in the bed and we were just hanging out and laughing about stuff. And it was only between her and I, but I'll never forget that moment when she looked over at me and she had this huge grin and she's like, I just got it. I know exactly what you were talking about. And that was the relief that she needed. And her response was joy and happiness and comfort. So this morning, first, I want us to look at a few things. Um, We want to look first at our condition or the condition, and then we want to look at the healing. So what's our condition? What's the thing we're in desperate need of? And then the healing, that what, what happens, and then the response. So first, the condition. These guys right here had leprosy. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So this is important to know. This isn't just in there so you know like where this is on a map. It's not just a geographical thing, you know, so you know what kind of food's around there, if it's desert or if it's high ground or what kind of people might be around or what kind of plants there are or birds or, it don't matter. The reason they said that Jesus was going here is because it's Jerusalem, this is the point when we are really seeing, and we're going to see this a lot, that the, that the, um, the gospel is going to say Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem. And what that meant was he was on his death march to the cross. He knew where he was going. So they're trying to make this very obvious. Like Jesus was here on his way there to give his own life up for us. This was a choice. They weren't going to take it from him. He was the only one who could give it to them. It wasn't like he was just cruising around to different places and just was like, whoops, I'm in the bad place, wrong timing, and then they got him and then they killed him. It wasn't like that. So this is not a geographic thing. It's important to know that this was um, specific, that this was a choice that he was making. He is now traveling back to basically die. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. See, leprosy is like a really bad thing. I don't know if you knew that. It's bad. Um, Not many people knew about it not even that long ago. It wasn't even until like the 90s that people really started understanding how you get it and how you can help people with it and that there's a cure for it. And it's not just like, you know, a randomly caught uh, disease that there's specific ways that you can get it. 
And so these guys, they, they didn't know what the deal was. And so they would put them off. They would outcast. They'd put them in like little leper colonies. And Leviticus, we learned that, you know, there were specific rules about this. They had to like not only just be a leper, but they had to like tell everybody. That's like not fun. It's not cool to say like what you are or like, you know, it's like if I walked around all day and I was like, I haven't taken a shower and you all would just stay away from me. But I mean, it wouldn't be, that wouldn't be like normal and stuff. And they made them do that. So already I'd be an outcast because I smell bad, but you know, I'd have to tell you why. <clears throat> so anyways, these guys uh, have to do this. They're in this colony and they're all separated from everybody. And leprosy affects every part of their life. It affects them physically. I mean, like, it's very common for like their nose just to fall off. I know it sounds weird, but it's, it's true. Their fingers are then to be walking along and like maybe their ankle just to break. They wouldn't even feel it. And like their bone would come through and like shatter. Physically, it just destroys your body. Socially, they've lost everything. They're outcasts. They don't have any family. They don't have any friends. They have to stay away from everybody. All they have is this sick disease. Psychologically, sitting there all the time saying, what did I do to deserve this? And just, in all reality, thinking all the time, I just want to die. This is like a horrible disease and a horrible way to live. And religiously affects them. They were seen as unclean. They had to yell that they're unclean. Look out. I've got the heebie-jeebies. Stay away from me. Don't come close to me, and I'm going to stay in my little colony away from you. I had the chance to actually visit a, a leper colony, real day one. Uh, we went and adopted our son from Ethiopia, Africa. And we went over there through some relationships I made spontaneously over there. Uh, a gentleman invited me to go there, and I was one of the first, well, according to him and many other people there, like white people, uh, to like come in and actually visit a leper colony like it was no big deal. And uh, so I went there and I got to meet a ton of people, man. It was crazy. I have some pictures that I brought here. Like this guy, he, uh, he's actually healed from leprosy, but he, I mean, you could see his nose is basically gone. <clears throat> An older gentleman, he doesn't have all his extremities. And there's another picture of uh, this guy right here. He's lost his leg. He's just hanging out. And these guys are, are complete outcasts from Addis Ababa, which is the capital there. It's just outside. There's like 80,000 people in this leper colony. Uh, they can't get a job. I mean, they might not even have leprosy. Uh, they can't get a job. They can't, they can't do anything. They are complete outcasts, like I was saying. There's another one. of This is the, the first boy I met. I walked in. I was just kind of hanging out, and there's a little boy there. And it kind of struck me as odd because I've been to Africa multiple times. And um, one thing that's extremely common uh, with especially the children there is they just run to you like in hordes, and they want to touch you. And mostly probably because you have hair on your arm, and they don't. <clears throat> they love to, like, touch you and be loved on and rub on you and be uh, hugged. And he was, like, distant. Not just because I was a big guy, but he could tell, like, I'm not allowed to touch you. Like, this is weird. I don't know why you're here because we're, like, bad people, and this is just the way I know things to be. And so, you know, I kept kneeling down and asked him to come over. And then the guy that had brought me there, he was actually a, a guide, and we had connected a lot, um, told the kid, like, you can touch him. And finally, like, I touched him. And then all of a sudden, kids from everyone were like, whoa. And it was awesome. And he, there was, like, this really special moment. And this is kind of sad. It was this really special moment because he said, 
you're Jesus to these people right here because you're touching them when no one would or loving them. It's because they're complete outcasts. It's a bad thing. So what I want us to see this morning is our condition and that we're all in the same shoes as these lepers spiritually. We're all in the same shoes as these lepers spiritually. We're all spiritual lepers. And the question isn't, are you a leper or not? The question is, are you a healed leper or are you an unhealed leper? Those are the two categories. We're in a situation where people feel outcast from God, where they feel distant from God, where they feel fragmented or isolated from other people. And so I want us to focus first on the bad news before we focus on the good news. Because what happens is, is the remembrance of the bad that's in your life or the things that are going on leads us to and triggers and creates gratitude of the good. That's how we have gratitude is because we can remember what's happened or where we've been and look at where we are that we're provided for and have gratitude and be grateful for that. So I want to ask you guys to kind of do a self-analysis this morning of where is it that you feel like a leper, healed or unhealed? Where is it? Is it the despair or anxiety or depression? The sense of judgment or accusation? The distance from God where, where you might be broken in body or maybe you're broken socially? Maybe you're broken from family. Maybe you're just broken from God. Where does it feel like you're broken and what caused it? It could be your sin, or it could be sin that's been done to you and the sufferings that you're experiencing or have experienced from it. Was it the sexual assault? Is there an addiction? Is there a miscarriage? Is it this hovering darkness or anxiety or isolation? Something to make you feel like that you and God don't relate. So like I said, you're either a healed leper this morning in here or you're an unhealed leper. But we're all in the same condition because of sin. Sin fractures every dimension of creation. It just does. We live under it. We live in it. So I want you to see how bad the leprosy is. And for those of you who have been healed, I want you to remember how in all reality we have dodged a giant cosmic bullet. And if you're an unhealed leper, understand there's a bullet coming and it's going to hurt. It's not good. And you have the opportunity to dodge that. But for those of us who have, we've dodged it because of God's goodness and his grace and his forgiveness. So what did these guys do, these lepers? They didn't just wallow in it. They didn't just sit around in their little corner and just wait to fall apart and die lonely and by themselves. They cried out for mercy. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, we need to see our condition and see that the response is, Lord, have mercy. I'm like a leper. I have all these things going on in me. And understand that we just have to cry out, Lord, have mercy. And it's a good thing that Jesus likes to hang out with those kinds of people. People like us. People like these lepers. Especially these lepers. They were like the triple whammy right then. Jesus hung out with sinners. 
hanging out with prostitutes, hanging out with tax collectors and lepers. Prostitutes were considered unmorally clean. Tax collectors were considered socially unclean. Lepers were considered morally, socially, and religiously clean. They were outcasts from everything. They didn't even have a, a place they could come and just be filled spiritually. And the only person that could make them clean, it says in Leviticus, was a priest. He's the one who could say, it's done, you're clean, you're clear, you're good to go. Go hang out with everybody again. And Jesus is the one who makes a beeline to those who are suffering. It's important. If you're not a, a Christian or you don't know the Jesus that I'm talking about or the Jesus of the Bible, you need to see that and hear that this morning, that those who cry out for mercy, he loves to respond. If you're hurting, he's not angry or stern with you. He's compassionate for you. If you cry out, he's just waiting to respond. And that's what these guys knew. That's what these 10 lepers knew because they had heard about it. And now some of you are hearing about it right now. What was their prayer? Jesus, master, have mercy on me. That's, that's really cool to me because it's putting the power of a master, of a great, huge, big God in love of mercy and compassion together. Power and love together in one sentence. Master, have mercy on me. And for him to so gently be able to do that. That's a beautiful picture of Jesus together. So if you're a leper in this room today, you're invited to cry out today. I'm going to give you permission in moments to cry out today because the response you're going to get from this is grace and love and forgiveness. But I'm going to warn you, God resists the proud. He resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. These guys weren't too proud to cry out and just to deal with it themselves and just to wallow in their own nonsense. They were humble and didn't just say, look out, I'm unclean, but have mercy on me, master. And that's what he does. And we see it because he's compassionate and he does care. So next I want to talk about the healing Luke 17, 14. So it's right here. This is the next part. It says, When he saw them, he is Jesus, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So this is cool and crazy to me. I'm like, before he like, with lepers or whoever, when he healed somebody, he like touched them. He like clapped his hands. He like flicked mud on their face. He spit on them. He like, like magic tricks. It was totally cool. And these guys, he like heard them. And then he's like, yeah, go to the priests. Go show yourself to the priest. They're like, duh, we've kind of already been there, done that. He's the one who's got us in this little colony here, and this is no good. That was not the help we were expecting. Right? So it's kind of weird to me. I'm like, why did he do that? Why didn't he go over and like have a moment with it? And as I've kind of chewed on this, I've really realized that this whole story right here in this passage is all about faith and the response of what God does with faith. So you see, he said to him, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went. So then they went. They had faith. Okay, we asked you to do this. 
Uh, we have to have faith that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. And so they went. And God's response to faith, they were cleansed. How cool was that? Can you imagine the joy? The condition that they were first in was horrific. But because they had faith and they went and they listened, psychological, physical, social, spiritual, complete outcast, then Jesus shows up in their town They have faith in this moment, and they're healed. They're cleansed. Can you really imagine? I I want us to really wrap our heads around that. If you trust in Jesus, you, we, me, have been healed from this leprosy. We have dodged a bullet. I mean, like, I really want want to think about this. I I am, like, not a cool dude. I'm, like, not that great. I uh, am a bad person. A lot of times I do things that aren't right, and I think even worse things uh, sometimes. I know you do too, because I'm thinking about what you've been thinking about right now. (laughs) You guys are all, you guys, we're just not, I mean, we're like sinful people, and part of it we can't help, because it's, like I said, we live in it, we live under it. It fractures every part of creation. Um, But the crazy part is, if, if we know Jesus and we've accepted Jesus, and to take that cross that he went to for us, then we're forgiven of like this dirty, disgusting disease. Like, do we really understand what that looks like? We're like forgiven. We were like not even close. A massive debt. And now we're like, uh, we're forgiven. So now we're like even. The slate's clean. We're at like zero. There's like nothing else we really have to do. But not only that are we forgiven, then Jesus gives us and God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you righteous. So we're forgiven. And then he said, on top of that, I'm going to make you righteous, which is even better than zero. That's like saying you're going to be like Jesus. Like you're, I'm going to put the robe around you and make you righteous. Like you're my special. You're my everything. I love you, my dearest. You're righteous to me and in my eyes and God's eyes. So not only are like we not good enough and then we just get an even slate, like that's more than enough. Then we're made righteous. And then not only that, on top of that, he gives us blessings. Then we get blessed. And I'm like, what? How does that? So we're not even good enough because I'm not. So then we're forgiven. Oh my gosh, thank you. And we like forget that a lot of times from even saying, oh my gosh, thank you. Then it's like we're made righteous. Then we get blessed, and I'm like, you, you're going to bless me over, and then you like to do it like a grandma at Christmas that loves Christmas every year, because she's like, oh, I want to get gifts for everybody. How amazing, I want us to see that. Look at what we've been healed from. Look at what the healing that has happened. Think back that, yeah, I'm a leper, or I was a leper, and I'm healed. What a relief. That's a big deal, friends. That's so huge. And so let's see their response. Luke 17, 15 through 19. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed? He knew the answer to that. Where are the other nine? He knew the answer to that. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, 
Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. There's that faith word again. I'm going to tell you guys, this is the response. When we realize or when you have been healed of this leprosy that we all have, whether unhealed or healed, the response is gratitude. And we have to look back and know what's bad before we can be grateful for what is good. I'm going to tell you this. Gratitude always shows up or speaks up. If truly grateful, you're going to find a way to express it. You're not ever just going to be like, I'm grateful inside. It's just not, it's going to show up or speak up. This guy came over and ran back and fell at his feet and praised God and was like, thank you. And he's saying, where's these other guys? They're just like doing their own thing. Silent gratitude, friends, is just a lost opportunity to praise God. It's just a lost opportunity. Grateful people keep their blessing. It's what makes them so joyful. So Jesse just shared up here about this $200 check they received. If he would have gotten that check at Christmas, he would have spent it. And he wouldn't have had it. But he didn't get it at Christmas. He just got it the other week. He's getting a bill, and he's grateful for it. And he sees it as a blessing because that's what it is. And it brings him great joy because he's going to continue, and that blessing will be sustained to look back and be like, God, you've blessed me here. Oh, my gosh, look at this blessing. And guess who's going to continue to be blessed? He is because he's seeing that it's a blessing. He's recognizing that this is a blessing. And so it's going to sustain in his life. He's going to continue to have gratitude for it. He's gonna, God's going to continue to bless him because he's like, yeah, I like it when you feel good and you understand that this is a blessing. I'm going to give it to you again. Because gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. It begins when your sense of entitlement ends. The thing about it is that you, we can become to feel like so entitled to that we have nothing to do with, that we didn't deserve, and God could cut it off at any moment, but he won't because he loves us and he's good. We start playing this whole fair game. That's not fair. What's fair? And then, you know... I'm entitled to it. You know, those other nine guys, I'm entitled to it. I asked. I, I got what I, I asked for. Instead of being grateful and expressing it. You know, you get a paycheck. I worked for it. Instead of being grateful, God, what a blessing. I got a paycheck. I have a job. Uh, my my uh, daughter has done the transition from understanding and seeing blessings to now she's entering the world of fair an entitlement, uh, you know, for a while, I was like, is this, this is a privilege, or is this a privilege, which in all reality to a, a six-year-old means, is this a blessing? Is, is this a blessing? This is, and this is a blessing. This is a blessing I get to do this. This is a reward, and I'm recognizing that, too. Now it's, that's not fair, and I need to be able to do that, and they, they shouldn't get to do that, because that's not fair, and so I took her um, the other week to the dentist, and I had to pull her out of school to take her to the dentist. And uh, in her class, they were having a birthday party, um, or a, a child was having a birthday, and in her class, you have to bring something for every child. You can't just bring it for just your little child's friends. And so that day, they all knew they were going to get a brownie, because it was so-and-so's birthday. And so we're getting done at the dentist, and she's like, I got to go back to school. And I'm like, well, school's kind of done. And she started freaking out about this brownie, because it wasn't fair that she wasn't going to get a brownie because she's entitled to having this brownie. And like, 
Dad, I need to go there because that's not fair. Everybody else is getting a brownie, and I'm not getting a brownie, and that's not okay. <laughs> Yesterday, I was at the park, and it was, um, my son was swinging, and, you know, she's bigger now. She can't fit in, like, the little kid's swing, and she's like, it's not fair. He gets to swing, and I don't get to swing, and it's like, it's not about fair, and we do that as adults. It's not fair. We have this sense of entitlement of, I just deserve that, or if they get to do it, I get to do it. You want your sense of gratitude to stay sky high? Keep your sense of entitlement really low. We should expect God to bless us. Those lepers and us lepers asked for it, and they should expect God to bless them. We should expect God to bless us. But every time he does, we should rejoice like he didn't have to. We should rejoice like he didn't have to. If you start there and work your way back at what God has done for you and say, I don't deserve it, Every time you start your car, every time you get your paycheck, every time you pull the covers over you in bed, every time you're spooning whatever you're spooning in your mouth, and you start there and say, God, I don't deserve it, but I'm grateful for it, it will change your life. I'm not kidding. If you lived and had an attitude nonstop of gratitude and can remember constantly where I was or things that have been going on and where I am now, even in the bad stuff, we have storms. They're going on. Even right now, if there's stuff going on. If you can just look at a few things and all of a sudden be grateful for it, like I'm sitting in a comfy chair and I got a jacket on me and I'm warm, be grateful for that, you will change. And that's really why people say we're supposed to be different. If we've dodged this cosmic bull and we're a healed leper, that's what looks different. And something's different about you. You're just like joyful about all sorts of things. I really wish I could look at things like you look at them. It's because you're grateful and you can start with the small things and then you're going to receive blessings and they're just going to continue to sustain. Your situation doesn't have to improve for your gratitude to increase. It doesn't have to. It's cool if it does, but if it doesn't get better, it doesn't mean your worship shouldn't commence. We're going to have an opportunity to do some of that in just a moment. And, and there's somebody in this room that needs to hear this this morning, and that's a tough statement, but it's real. You need to quit mourning on what you have lost and focus on that in which you have left and strengthen in which remains. You have an opportunity today to cry out for mercy. To say, Jesus, Master, have mercy. If you're a healed leper or an unhealed leper, you have that opportunity. And I'm going to give you that opportunity in a moment, but we're going to take a moment. We're going to sing a song. And there's a lot of you in here that may, have ne- that may have never sang before. Like, you come here, and that's just not what you do, whether you have a good voice or not or whatever. You know, you watch. You participate in that way. But I'm going to challenge you right now as we just sing a piece of this song to sing it, or at least to say it, because words are powerful. We're going to sing this song again, that God, you're my healer, that I believe that you're my healer. And I want you to speak that and just let it wash over you, whether you're an unhealed or healed leper, and have gratitude or cry out, Lord, have mercy. And I'm giving you permission right now to do that, whether you're sitting in your seat, whether you want to stand up, whether you want to get on your knees. I got Kleenex. I got applause. I got whatever. This is your moment, and I want you to 
take it and grasp it and just focus on what Jesus has done for you and what he can do for many of you in this room today. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.